guess who's back? It's us. <laughs> My name is Chris Gillespie. I'm one of the hosts of Go Chuck Yourself. My name is Aaron Arata, and I am also one of the hosts of Go Chuck Yourself. What a small world. Who would have thought that two hosts of Go Chuck Yourself would be together recording an episode of Go Chuck Yourself? It's actually kind of amazing. It's very serendipitous. We don't even live in the same states, no. and yet we found each other somehow. Right. It worked out really well. I, what is, what's the word? Kismet? Is that the word? I think this is kismet. Yeah, I think... Um... I, I think you're right. There is a there's a restaurant in the city that I live in, Los Angeles, called Kismet. It's a really good restaurant. It's like Mediterranean. So on this episode of Go Chuck <laughs> Yourself, we're actually continuing from last week's concept, which was a journey into the season five bonus features that are available on the season five DVD and Blu-ray set. Um, there was just too many bonus features last week to cram into one episode. So uh, Aaron and I got together. We we had a very long conversation it was behind closed doors. I won't repeat all of it. I, <laughs> I there could have been you know hidden microphones, and maybe this conversation will be revealed sixty years after the fact, like in the uh, Get Back documentary about the Beatles on Disney Plus, where you hear Paul and uh, John talk about something that's never been heard before. Maybe that will come out. Uh, but the end result is that we said let's just do two episodes. What what were they talking about that's never been heard before? Was it like was it like dirty secrets? They were just talking candidly, like it was just them talking as friends, like, and no one's ever ever really heard that before. Because if you're they're dealing with a third party, you're uh -huh. they, they call that that's the Heisenberg effect. Um, you're just you're you're pulling out all these words. I should know these things, but no, um, not not at the top of my game in terms of knowing words today. Well, it would be kind of so it would be sort of like when you and I talk without the microphones involved. It's a little different than when we talk with the microphones involved, wouldn't you say? I Well, uh, I mean, I'm an open book and uh, what you see here is what you get. And I'm my persona on Go Check Yourself is exactly the same as my persona in real life. I always talk at this volume and this cadence. As you can like you, we've been friends for over 10 years now, you know this, but to our to our audiences, this is exactly how I behave in my day to day life. If you saw me on the street, this is how I'd be talking. <laughs> this I is a great opening. I'm having a great time. <laughs> I love there's something about why is there's something about the bonus features? Because last week we did that whole bit where we were allegedly performed by actors. and we We're just <laughs> characters, which I think is fascinating i think we should both present it to both our respective therapists yeah but there's something about doing the bonus features that makes us very meta and self-reflective about <laughs> what it is go chuck yourself is because it's straight i now that i'm thinking about it i behave very differently when we're doing go chuck yourself then like because we were just talking before this i would say i was almost a different person than when we started i just turn it on for the microphone we're making extreme revelations here in our fifth season. Our 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 audience is not going to trust us anymore. No, I guess not. Um, but you can trust our opinions on these bonus features. Take yeah, our word so, for it. So um, we 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 talked last week about like deconstructing the buy more. We talked about the score of Chuck. What what else was there? We watched the buy more commercials several times. There was the gag reel. There was also um, um, kind of a behind the scenes look at the filming of the final episode of Chuck. Right. Interviews with the cast. Uh, mm -hmm. There was sandwiches. When, and super when fans. they personally thanked you, Chris Gillespie. Correct. So that was interesting. I was actually, um, I was saving this to tell you 
um, when I was planning when we started this episode to uh, start playing Big Mike's uh, 1970s commercial that you just loved and played for me several times last mm-hmm. week. Um, but I was distracted because when I searched Big Mike Chuck commercial, um, what actually came up was a um, wonderful entrepreneur named Big Mike who sells mattresses. Um, and he has a lot of commercials with him and his kids that seem to have been made in Windows Movie Maker in maybe 2005. Um, so I watched that for a little while, and then I forgot what I had been planning to do originally. So um, this bit is not to be, but everyone search Big Mike's uh, mattresses, or maybe there was he was he was on a couch as well, so he might sell multiple items of furniture. I'm actually moving soon and we're going to be looking for furniture. So if Big Mike's still in business and uh, he's in the Southern California area, which I did not check, um, might patronize him. Remember to go to Big Mike's website and use the code GCY to get 30% off your first purchase from Big Mike's Furniture. That code again is GCY. Other podcasts are sponsored by Casper. We're sponsored by Big Mike. <laughs> Big Mike's Furniture. Thanks, Big Mike. Big <laughs> Big furniture, big deals. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, we should <laughs> we should uh, present that to Mike. <laughs> a big Mike or regular Mike? Oh, just a uh, big Mike, big Mike. Yeah. Well, actually, this is the thing: is that like like us having different personalities on our podcast. In his personal life, Mike is just Mike, but in mattress sales, he is Big Mike. <laughs> Do you think that Big Mike, the character in Chuck, like? Do you think Bologna calls him Big Mike? to her friends or to his face or do you think she calls him michael maybe like a miguel kind of thing oh wow or like maybe she calls him mia Moore. i'm sure they have pet names for each other but like do you think he's big mike in his personal life as well as in his professional life i think big mike is on the level of um you know like famous celebrities who just have their one name you have madonna you have Cher, zendaya zendaya um you have Sting. Sting. Bono. Bono. How did you not say Bono first? Come on. I was thinking about Bono as I always am, <laughs> but I didn't want to say it first because I knew you would make fun of me. But you somehow managed to still make fun of me despite me not doing the thing that I thought would prompt the making fun of. Um, so I think much like Bono is pretty much recognized by as Bono by everyone, including I think his I don't know what his wife does. I don't I don't know. But or the edge. The edge is basically known as to the edge by everyone. Uh, so I think Big Mike is known as Big Mike at home, on the go, wherever he is. He is Big Mike. Done. Done. Uh, so our focus today really is a series of uh, little miniature documentary segments that are on the bonus feature disc. There's three of them, um, but we can probably just talk about them all sort of as one piece because they already yeah. they go in chronological order they do go in chronological order we're talking about the beginning of chuck which is kind of about like filming the pilot then they talk about chuck through the years which is kind of a um like retrospective on all of the characters and how they have grown um and how their growth relates to the actor's growth which we'll talk about if if that's forced or if that's natural um and then of course we have chuck and uh the, the future which I thought was going to be about like them hinting at a movie or something, which they, they kind of do, I guess. But it's mostly about like how the actors imagine the characters' futures. Mm-hmm. So they're all kind of of a piece. That's why we saved them for a future episode, um, which is now happening today. 
But before we get into that, uh, Aaron had <laughs> wanted to discuss some kind of uh, para Chuck experience that she had. It's not Chuck did, related, yes. but it's para Chuck, uh, Chuck Tangential with one of the cast members of not cast members of Chuck, but a featured player of Chuck. Featured, yeah. Last um, night so you watched a film. Last night I watched the film Shock a Lot. Um, which is from the year 2000. It's French. It's based on a novel. It's about like a, a traveling chocolate saleswoman who shakes up a little French town. Um, and it, it's pretty good. Uh, if like Johnny Depp is in it, which is like a little bit like cringy now, but like he's pretty charming in it. So it's like if you can get past that, like it's it's fine. Um and Alfred Molina plays the mayor of the small town. And of course, our best friend, my contemporary, Carrie Ann Moss, um, is playing one of the town's people. So in the movie, um, Carrie Ann Moss and Alfred Molina, who is like a gruff, like authority figure in this town, kind of have a little romantic vibe. And then it's implied at the end that they eventually get together um, because they're both they're both widowers, um, widow, widow and widower. Whichever, whichever way that works. Um, and so I texted Chris because I was thinking Alfred Molina is kind of like an alternate universe Casey. Like they kind of have similar vibes. Mm -hmm. And Chris responded, I was not ready for this, which I'm wondering, did you mean that you were under the influence and you were just not capable of handling what I was throwing at you? Or did you mean that I was spilling such truths that you were just shocked and awed and weren't ready to discuss it, but maybe you're ready now? Well, to begin, I'm just because you texted me late on a Friday night, your default <laughs> assumption was that I'm quote under the influence, which sounds way worse than <laughs> just, you know, maybe have having, having had some drinks or whatnot, but <laughs> Um, so I guess the truth would be that it was, I guess, between both of those, it was a little bit of each. I was fine. I don't know why you keep calling me out on stuff in this episode, but yeah, maybe I had a couple of drinks last night. Uh, you texted me at, uh, after midnight Eastern time. Yeah, I know. So there's that. <laughs> so I was like, who's texting me this late? And I was like, oh, it's Aaron. And I was like, oh, that's right. She lives on the West coast. And then I was like, what is she, what is she texting me to say? <laughs> And uh, I was not ready to because in my mind, Alfred Molina is he's Doc Ock primarily. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then he's also. Um, Are you going to say the Cardinal in the Da Vinci Code? Because that's what I that's what I know. Um, the painter in the uh, the Frida Kahlo movie. Oh, he's, OK. He's the male lead in that. So. Sure. I was not ready for you to compare Casey to Alfred Molina or say that Alfred Molina potentially could play Casey in an alternate universe. Yeah. That was just. Well, do you. OK, but thinking about it now, now that you've had like 12 hours to let that kind of decompress, I think they're both like kind of like broad shouldered, like like hefty, like strong men. Yeah, they're both brunette. They both have kind of like at least in the film, like I am not an. Alfred Molina expert uh, like you I only know him from a couple of roles but like in a lot of the roles I've seen him in he's kind of like an authority figure with like a suppressed soft side I don't know if in the Frida movie I haven't actually seen that hmm. um but like I, I I feel like in terms of what he's in like Alfred Molina and Adam Baldwin aren't necessarily like of a piece and what they're cast in where their interests lie. I feel like Alfred Molina is in a lot more like 
films. Adam Baldwin seems to like gravitate towards television in some ways. Of course, he is in American Underdog. So, and, and I could just be like uh, making all of this up, but um, I I do think that they are like Alfred Molina would do well in a Casey role. I think he could handle it, um, but he would kind of bring like a like a sophisticatedness. I I think like a like a kind of like artistry to the Casey role, which I don't know if Casey needs. Right. I think that I do associate Alfred Molina as more of a um, actor with a capital A. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I feel like he does have a, my minimal experience with him, there is a tenderness to him. Not that Casey yeah. doesn't have also a softer side, but I think that um, he tends to, there's a little bit more humanity in Alfred Molina's performance. Mm-hmm. This is, of mm-hmm. course, Go Alfred Molina Yourself, <laughs> the number one Alfred Molina podcast. It's actually, it's a shame. I mean, you you probably wouldn't know this, um, but we are, in fact, not the only Emersonians with a podcast talking about Alfred Molina at this time. Oh, oh, shit. I didn't want, I didn't mean to step on anyone's toes. That's I, okay. I, I think, I think Jamie Loftus will be okay um, without us cribbing her love of Alfred Molina. Yeah, she'll probably be fine. So also, before we get into Chuck, I also have to take us through this thought experiment and look, listener, there's going to be spoilers of the film Spider-Man No Way Home coming <laughs> up. So if you don't feel comfortable with that, skip ahead a couple minutes. Okay, now that those people are gone. So you, the, now I'm one... Are like, we going to do the opposite? Right. I'm intrigued if there was a extended cut or alternate version of No Way Home where there's Doc Ox from across the multiverse. And okay. one of those Doc Ox is played by Adam Baldwin. I okay. think he would be a really good Doc Ock. I think he would, too. Um, he would be a little bit more, like, I feel like Alfred Molina definitely plays, like, the sinister element of Doc Ock. Like, he's definitely scary. But uh, I think, like, Adam Baldwin has, like, a coldness and a sharpness to him that I think would really work in the Doc mm-hmm. Ock role. I, I think he would be great. He, he would be Doc Ock, but with a gun. <laughs> Just one gun? Like that the I mechanical mean, arms hold or all four mechanical arms are each holding their own individual gun. I, I think his real, his like human hands would be holding two guns and then his arms, his mechanical arms would just be uh, doing their mechanical things. Did you know that there's a forthcoming Kirby game where Kirby has a gun? <laughs> I learned that last night. Kirby the name of the game is just called Kirby has a gun and you run around as Kirby and you just have a gun and you do whatever yeah. Kirby does nice. but he has a gun and it's like It's a gun now. <laughs> he's done swallowing things and changing shape. He's just got the gun and he's doing this. This is the gritty reboot of Kirby that we've all been waiting for. We've all been waiting for it. Okay, I've also been waiting to talk about Chuck this goddamn yeah, episode, so let's mm-hmm. get into it. Okay. Uh, Chuck the Beginnings. Chuck the Beginnings. Where to begin? So, apparently Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedak conceptualized Chuck in the year 2006, and Chris Fedak brought the idea of a computer nerd, um, like a, a guy getting a computer in his head, and Josh Schwartz, who apparently was fresh off the OC is bringing, like, I guess he wanted to, like, age up the OC characters and wanted to, instead of addressing, like, a eighth life crisis, he wanted to address a quarter life crisis. Because I guess, like, that he was around that age. Like, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, he was probably, like, young 20s writing the OC, and now he's, like, older 20s. So he's just, like, 
five years ahead, he's like reflecting on periods of his life. Um, I don't know. I, I can't uh, psychoanalyze Josh Schwartz here, but. I don't know why I, I like throwing shade at Josh Schwartz, but because he kept really saying. really do. And then, <laughs> I kept pausing while we were watching to make snide comments about Josh Schwartz, which I have nothing against him. <laughs> but I just thought it was funny that he's like, yeah, you know, for my next show, I really wanted to do something completely different. And I, we've talked about it a little bit on air, but Aaron has watched the OC and has texted me constantly of like, this is exactly how it is in Chuck. Like there's so many similarities. Yeah. So he really wasn't switching up his formula that much, but. But they're older. They're older, basically the same characters, but it's, um, they're not basically the same characters. I don't know why I have this complex against Josh Schwartz. But it's like, I think you're mad at him because like, obviously you were really like obsessed with him when he liked our tweet. Like you were so into that. <laughs> he did. And like then our I tweet. think like he hasn't given you attention in no, the year sense. So I think hasn't. you're kind of like, <laughs> you, you're, you're mad at him. You're holding it against him. It's not his fault. If you, so Fedak and Schwartz are obviously, you know, like the, the central duo behind Chuck. Mm-hmm. If you had to tag us as Fedak and Schwartz, who do you who which one of us do you think would be who? I mean, like, I think Josh Schwartz is cooler than Chris Fedak. Um that's don't like, like where this the, is going, but okay. <laughs> that's definitely the vibe that they present, at least in these documentaries. Like, uh-huh. obviously they're both like successful men in Hollywood, and Chris Fedak is writing Ambulance, which is uh coming to a theater near you soon. Might even actually be out by now. Um, depending on when this is released. So, you know, I, I like to think that I'm the Josh Schwartz because like I'm hip and I'm like, I'm with the youths right now. Um, but I, I fear that I am actually the Chris Fedek, but your name is Chris. So like, that is a, that's a, a big, a big flag in your court. Yeah. I'm probably the Chris (laughs) Fedek, which is fine. It's okay. Yeah. Um, He's cool. He's the ideas man. Yeah. He's the ideas man. And I feel like. He's like, he had, of, of those two things, like, of a, a person gets a computer in their head versus a person has a quarter life crisis. Like, which of those is more of a concept? Which of those are you going to be more interested in watching? I think it's the person, like, at least more developed is the person with the computer in their head. Like, that's an idea. That's something you could sell. Like, the other thing just sounds like a Judd Apatow movie. So, um... <laughs> Something that really stood out to me here, though, is that they compare, like, the the proto-Chuck idea in their head to Jim Halpert from The Office, which is, like, I'm sure we've talked about, like, Krasinski versus Levi. Like, I I know that's a thing on the internet. People, like, have gotten them confused before. Like, they're very similar. Um, I I think that uh, Levi has more of a Midwestern energy, and Krasinski kind of has, like, a Eastern energy. But, like, otherwise, they're, they're pretty... They're pretty of a piece. Um, but like, did did that did that catch you off guard when they said that? Well, they because the uh, analogy that they use when they talk about the origins of the show where they mm-hmm. compare it, to, which is something that they like if when you learn about pitching stories, whether they're yeah. books or movies, TV shows, they always tell you to reference the combination of two well-known successful yeah. properties. Mm-hmm. So they constantly are saying like, Oh, it's like The Office meets Twenty Four. I've never oh, seen Twenty Four. Is that 24. what they were referencing? I didn't. I had no idea what they were referencing. I think so. That's what, that's, okay. I don't know if that's what they were in this instance, but that's what they usually do. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a perfect analogy because I I think that 
the office has a very specific tone and is definitely yeah. grounded in reality in a way that yeah. by more is, you know, I guess grounded in reality, but I feel similarly that like, I, I have exclusively watched the office as a teenager. Like I haven't watched it as an adult. So of course these characters would feel like adult to me, but I feel like Jim has his life together way more than Chuck does at the beginning of this show. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I think he is disillusioned with his job. Like he doesn't like working at the office being a paper salesman, but he's also not as nerdy as Chuck is. Um, so I think the nerd element is a little amplified for Chuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it was this amalgamation of tones and styles, like a lot of the cast said that they were really interested in the script yeah. and thought it was really cool. Josh Gomez th- thought that the show was actually too cool to actually work. Like he thought that it yeah. would work narratively, but he didn't think that a network would actually put it in prime time. So um, it was really interesting hearing them like if if the like the um the scoring by our friend um what what was his name Tim Jones Tim Tim Jones um had been a little different and if the cutting had been a little different like it really read to me like the cast was just kind of shitting on the show and be like this isn't gonna go anywhere like that this is too niche for people but they were actually like saying it in a complimentary way like this yeah. is this is so cool that it's not gonna work there's nothing like this on TV. Um, there's not shows that focus on nerds. There's not shows that combine all of these genre elements and kind of like mush them all together. Um, and it, it was really interesting. Like it's it's interesting to think about because especially like I I think that there are action comedies that probably existed before this and at this time, but like especially on network TV and like on NBC, like it wasn't the prime time. Like there's not a lot I can think of. Yeah, well, I think it definitely was unique for in terms of primetime, but also um, in terms of I don't I don't know. I think it's interesting because the it almost it was more niche for its time. But now comparatively looking back at it with the advent of streaming services, it actually seems quite broad if you think about it, because I think like it's this weird midway point between the broadness of network television and also like the extreme nicheness of streaming services. Yeah. It's this kind of, I guess, forefront, like kind of like a, um, what's the word? forerunner of those kinds of shows that would, that kind of trend in, in television. Um, that's actually really interesting. I think we should, uh, <laughs> we can progress from podcasts to like scholarly articles at this point. <laughs> Despite our best efforts, sometimes we actually have thoughtful ideas to share. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I, one of the people that really fell in love with the pilot was Zachary Levi, of course. And it was actually kind of touching watching him or listening to him talk about it because he actually got choked up talking about reading the pilot because it was a moment where he said that he instantly related to the character of Chuck so much and knew that he would be perfect for it. And it is just really special because obviously he was and it would go on to change the course of his life. So it's, uh, I'm not getting choked up right now, but I could, (laughs) you know, I want to get choked up. In a way, he was an American underdog and Chuck is what kind of made him a, what's the opposite of an underdog, a a regular dog, an upper dog. A ringer? I think a ringer would be the opposite of an underdog, right? Like a a surefire thing. Yeah, okay. he was an American I mean, underdog, and then all of a sudden, Fidaka Schwartz showed up, and they said, "Shazam, you're a TV star." <laughs> exactly. And then he was all like, "Wow, I'm all tangled up in Hollywood now." 
That was that was pretty good. I was I was struggling because I was I was trying to go like the Flynn Rider element where I was like, he's riding into Hollywood. But yours yours is better. Yours is more evident. And he was overwhelmed by everything. But then Fidak and Schwartz sat him down and said, hey, look, Zach, you're the star. Wow, that was incredible. Iconic moment from from our host, Chris Gillespie. You know, they also like Zach was saying that they another really special thing about the show was that right off the bat, the the cast had this kind of unique chemistry, even though none of them had really worked together ever Mm -hmm. before. But watching the first episode, you feel that because you do feel like these are characters that are have known each other for a long time. They're family, they're friends. And um, that's just a really cool thing. Serendipitous thing again (laughs) to happen. I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, they there's there's no reason that they would mention this. But um, I I was wondering uh, about that, um, that cut character, the uh, the Mm. truck's neighbor. Yeah. There were they showed pictures of the cast and there was one where there was this kind of suspicious gap where it looked like someone had been photoshopped out. And I was wondering if I was just reading too much into that or if they actually like photoshopped that actress out. No, you're probably right. They probably almost definitely did. Um, cause, and it's interesting, too, because I think, well, this is sort of moving into the next part where if Chuck uh-huh. through the years and the character yep. evolution. But uh, Schwartz had said that. Basically, in 2007, if you were going to make a show or have a comedy show, you had to have a slacker best friend character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is the advent of Morgan. Or I'm sorry, uh, Fedak actually said that, not Schwartz. I apologize. Um, and so the I, I wonder if that extra female lead was a like another kind of way of playing into an archetype of being like, oh, well, if you're going to have a show, you have to have a love triangle. Yeah. Um, which of course Chuck sort of went on to do anyways in multiple does, ways. Definitely does, but like I was thinking about it, like Chuck's relationship has pretty much been Sarah. Like he had like maybe like three episode arcs, which obvi- with obviously like Rachel Bilson and with Hannah, who's actress I can't remember. I'm sorry, um, but he really didn't like. He, it was really just like he met Sarah and she was kind of the one. Like it was always. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is interesting, because that's, like, that's five seasons of romantic tension. That's why I feel like Chris Vidak didn't need to have the romantic tension in the last episode. But, you know, it's fine. Well, I mean, there's also the love triangle, like, Sarah and Shaw. Yeah, and Chuck, but, like, that's, but... that's different. Like, Sarah, I feel like, was not, like, I mean, Sarah is the uh, second second lead of the show, but is, like, I, I was thinking of it from Chuck's perspective more so than hers. It makes total sense to mm. me that she would not be interested in Chuck the whole time and that she would have other uh, interests, suitors. But even even she doesn't have, like, she just has Shaw. There's not there's not other what, people. Oh, I guess she has Bryce, but, like, that's kind of, like, the lead-in. Yeah. Uh, Bryce, we, like, I don't know. He should He should have been mentioned in season five, I feel like. Yeah, he didn't get mentioned at all. And, no. Well, I mean, he was alluded to, but the characters didn't necessarily allude to him. Yeah, couldn't couldn't afford that that bomber budget this this season. So you had mentioned that you you maybe feel that there was a it was forced talking about the evolution of the characters as they compared to the evolution of the actors. I said we would discuss it. Oh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> say that I necessarily like there. They definitely had and like something they wanted to discuss. They wanted to make these parallels. Mm-hmm. And I think that it definitely works for like they talk about how 
Zachary Levi kind of became like more of a leader, gained confidence in himself, like kind of they they talk a lot about his like masculinity and how he became a man, which is like whatever. But they talk Mm -hmm. about how he matures and how when he starts, he's like a shrimpy, nerdy guy. And then by the end, he's like he's become a spy in the show as Chuck. And then in real life, he's become like a full fledged like ringer, as as we said. Mm -hmm. Um. And then they talk about like Yvonne was like, this was her first American role and she hadn't really done a lot of work with comedy. She'd mainly only worked in Australia. Like, and then by the end, she's become like a, they, they call her like a, a starlet, um, which I guess is true. For them, it totally makes sense. I, I think like fitting um, Joshua Gomez and Adam Baldwin into this narrative, I think works, but they kind of, they kind of have less to say when they get over to them is, is just kind of my, my sense, but you, you tell me what you think. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I mean, someone, uh, in the show, one of the producers said that Casey comes into, or Adam Baldwin and Casey come into the show as a badass and they leave as a badass. Yeah. So Casey, obviously they do a good job of having a character arc for Casey where you do get to see him have a family or him have a love interest, like a softer side, him Mm -hmm. dealing with, um i guess on some level having his masculinity challenged in ways like forcing him to be emotionally present in a way that his macho exterior has not really prepared him for and yeah i mean morgan's growth as a character is also um i guess just something that uh, you who who could say exactly the extent of uh josh gomez's career before chuck and after chuck yeah like what that looked like but yeah you know morgan definitely matures and grows as a character definitely yeah i think both <laughs> characters grow as characters but they talk less about how they grew as people in relation to like how their growth paralleled their real life growth um but something that stood out to me um, about when they were talking about Morgan is that something that they seem to consider endearing about him, and this was coming directly from Fedak, was when he lists his, his that he's filled with love for Ellie Bartowski as like, this is like one of the things that makes him unique and lovable. They literally call him a sweet, lovable friend. Um, and maybe if we were watching in 2007, maybe we'd be <laughs> down with that. But like, I feel like that was one of the things I hated about him. Like, that was something that made him not lovable for me. If Listener, if you haven't listened to our early episodes from the first first two seasons, I guess, we really hated Morgan. I forgot. Yeah. I don't think about this often because he really... Oh, I think about it all the time. Oh. <laughs> I think he's changed. Like, in the fourth and fifth seasons, like, and maybe even some of the third, like, he's been pretty good. So, yeah. like, we kind of got over it. But, like, yeah. he was... We found him to be deeply problematic in the yes. first two seasons and reprehensible, one might say. <laughs> we killed him multiple times in Chuck yeah. Mary Kill. Um, but he he that has changed completely. So I'm glad that they did change that. Yeah. Um, because the early iteration of the character was not something that holds up as well. And I do think eventually that he does actually become as he matures, he does become a little bit more quote unquote lovable and like yeah enjoyable as a friend and like so i think they got i think they they got him there eventually even if they did not where they started out was not necessarily the the best or most fun so you want to move into the future yes i guess that is how time works we are moving uh linearly uh into the future so they basically in this little segment it was shorter than the other ones they the cast was kind of just speculating on what they think happens to the characters after the the final episode comes to a mm-hmm. close 
some of the some of the theories I can run through real quick. Uh, Zach Levi thinks that the series ends on a positive note and that Sarah does, you know, regain her memories and they're going to be on their way to rebuilding their life together. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I collect he didn't exactly say oh. he thinks she's going to regain her memories. He just said they're on their way. So it's kind of interesting how I wonder if he does actually have a definitive thought about it, but they wouldn't allow him to like ruin the ambiguity of it mm-hmm. or if like he was just purposely or like unconsciously saying like i don't know exactly what happened but i do think they're gonna stay together that's fair i, I misspoke when i said that she gets her memories back i should have said that he just that was my interpretation of it he seems to think that it ends on a positive note yeah. and mm-hmm. i am inclined to agree with that keeping you keeping you honest chris thank you yeah you're really putting me on blast this episode <laughs> oh my god uh <laughs> uh let's see what else do they think morgan Um, and alex get married morgan and alex get married josh gomez feels very strongly that they have twins who both come out of the womb with beards Mm -hmm. which sounds probably pretty fair uh i think josh gomez is probably a pretty hairy guy so i imagine that his offspring are also hairy i'm sorry if you have children josh gomez your children i'm sure are beautiful and wonderful and the light of your life uh and Casey walks, you know, Alex down the aisle and is becomes a, a present grandfather. They do, um, you know, between Adam Baldwin and the and Fedak and Schwartz, they have some pretty comical ideas for what might happen to Casey after the show ends. <laughs> they don't really mention him getting together with Verbansky. No, th- she's kind of not. Uh, I mean, the show definitely implies that that's going to happen, but yeah. they don't really talk about it in this at all. What they do talk about is Casey opening up his own firing range, which sounds pretty legit. <laughs> yeah, they said mm-hmm. that he's going to have a goatee, which I think Adam that, Baldwin that now tracks, actually yeah. has a goatee. Yeah, um, but then someone else was saying that Casey opens up a comedy club and starts doing improv. You know, he's got to channel that energy somewhere. <laughs> that I wonder if Bill Hader watched these bonus features and said that's an idea for an HBO show, and then went and started Barry. Yeah, I mean, I that's the plot of Barry, of course. Are you not familiar with Barry? No, I know, I know what Barry. Oh. When when does he do improv in Barry? I mean, I guess, I guess it's kind of improv. It's like acting, you know. Oh yeah, I guess he's not strictly doing comedy. He acting, doesn't have but... a comedy club. Oh my god, you're so difficult this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, someone get Aaron a cup of coffee or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I do, I have actually not had coffee today, so that is probably part of it. I look how well I know you. I can tell when the, there's no caffeine in your system. I thought it was really interesting um, when they talked about initial plans to have Vic and Scott or Jeff and Lester be the Q team of the show. Oh, this was really interesting. I like it's difficult to imagine that the way that the show played out, like things would have they would have had to have like their redemption, quote unquote, redemption arc, like way earlier for that to work. Mm -hmm. Or the show would have had to have been like seven seasons, because I think like. It definitely makes sense for, like, when Jeff and Lester discover Castle, like, maybe there would have been, like, a couple episodes where they're, like, trying to convince them that it was just a hallucination, and then they become part of the team. Like, if the show was longer, I could definitely imagine that happening. Mm -hmm. But the way that the show is now, like, they were just so bumbling, I can't imagine them, like, being, like, the science experts. Right, like, Jeff would have to be sober before that could even happen. And so they don't even make Jeff sober until the start of the fifth season. Yeah. Um, they also don't really, I mean, Jeff seems to be pretty smart when he's clear headed, but yeah. 
there's never any kind of they don't really build I mean, I guess they do a couple of impressive tech things, but not mm. to the extent that they would be able to create their own gadgets. Well, don't they defeat the Omen, I guess? Right, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also interesting that there there seem to be like when you go through this the bonus features or you listen to, you know, Feedback talk about stuff that there seems to be a lot of like I don't want to say cliched ideas, but they're certainly banking a lot on uh, you know, conventional things or archetypes that are in the spy genre that they could play uh, with because i yeah. think back to also how they wanted to make awesome a russian spy oh, in the yeah. first season and mm-hmm. get him out of the picture and then also they're saying now that they want jeff and lester could have been like the tech people yeah and it's kind of forcing these characters into these boxes like these predefined mm-hmm. structures and i think it works better not doing that like i'm glad that they have Devin just kind of be the character that he ends up being and i agree you know jeff and lester albeit problematic at times um you know are are somewhat redeemed at the end of the show so i'm glad that they didn't really adhere to that structure as much as they may have set out to yeah speaking of devin they uh you know sarah lancaster thinks that devin and ellie go to chicago and they have more children and then they they those children have children and there's a whole awesome family (laughs) of grandchildren and uh, I that's guess that's nice. that's nice. Yeah. Although I guess it means they never move back to California. They just always. I, stay I in thought Chicago. she was going to say at one point, like, and then we move back and we're with Chuck and his family. But she, no, she didn't say that. But like, she's she's done her time as as a member of the the Chuck support system. <laughs> okay, so what do you think? Uh, do you want to share your opinions on where you think the future uh, leads the Chuck characters? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question to ask me. <laughs> uh what i think happens to the chuck characters in the well are we saying like are we speculating are we pitching ideas for the chuck movie or like chuck reboot or are we just saying like broad strokes what happens to the characters i was thinking broad strokes maybe in a future episode we could talk about a, a movie how we what we would do um broad strokes i think that um you know I think Chuck and Sarah are probably okay. I think that they probably start a family at some point, and I think uh-huh. they probably enjoy that. I would like to think that their tech company version of Carmichael Industries that Sarah was planning before uh-huh. she had her mind erased comes to fruition because I think that would be a good fit for both of them, and also kind of be you know be a good use of their skills, but also not too far away from what they're they're experienced in. Casey, I think. You know, probably I do see him being kind of like an active present grandfather and, uh, you know, being around for if Morgan and Alex are staying together and starting a family. Like, I think that that makes sense. Uh, I would I would imagine that Chuck and Sarah and Morgan and Alex's uh, kids are are friends. That would be Uh, nice. Mm -hmm. Maybe Ellie and Devin are in Chicago, but they they come out to California to visit or maybe Chuck and Sarah go out to visit. But I guess if they have kids at home, that might be a little bit tougher. Well, their kids are older. Or they can have... <laughs> well, um, Devin's parents uh, will just watch uh, Chuck and Sarah's kids because they're, of course, in the area. Um, they, and they have, a, they have a whole gap in their heart for the kids that they aren't watching. Well, here's, well, here's another interesting thing. You could like also think about, hopefully, because all the spy stuff is done, like Sarah is able to have more of a relationship with her mom uh-huh. and she's able to have a relationship with her adopted sister 
That's yeah, that's interesting. That would be nice. I think that Gary Cole would be a grandfather. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be a probably wouldn't be a good grandfather. He wouldn't really be probably wouldn't be around much. Um, Mary Bartowski would be around. I don't know. Yeah, what she, she would. would be. Maybe she would just be retired. I guess. I, yeah. I think she deserves to be retired after working for Volkov Industries as a mole. And I think, uh, well, I think Volkov should make an appearance for selfish reasons. Um, he's still alive. That's true. There, yeah, he's, he's still alive. He could come with, back uh, and yeah. like make a like he could be like a grandfather figure as well. To who? He's going to be a grandfather figure <laughs> to people who aren't his children, grandchildren. Yeah. Why not? But could like he a, actually like an uncle figure? Well. Oh, what's Vivian could have children. Yeah. He could actually be an actual grandfather. Oh, interesting. Okay. So like Vivian comes back and like who's single? Um, well, no, I, well, I was going to say Vivian could get with Shaw, but Shaw is bad. But if Shaw became good again, if Shaw was unbrainwashed, um, then, then he and Vivian could have a child, um, (laughs) okay. Anyway, being serious, um, I agree with everything you said. I think that um, I don't want like it was it was kind of posited by multiple actors, um, including like Yvonne and Zach, that like Chuck and Sarah might not be done with the spy life. And I have like a physical aversion to that because like (laughs) so much of the final seasons is about them wanting to be out of the spy life. And I know it's hard. Like, I know that it's like a source of conflict for both of them and like do they want to leave this by life do they not want to leave this by life but i think like i would i guess i don't want them to go back to like paper pushing jobs i definitely don't want chuck to go back to the buy more but i do want them to be together i would like sarah to regain her memory um i don't know if that's realistic based on how brain things work but i would like her to regain her memory um, I would like them to start a family and I guess Carmichael Industries, like the tech company is fine. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of like them to do something else, but that's fine. They can do that. Um, yeah, Morgan and Alex having some kids hanging out. Um, Jeff and Lester, I hope like kind of settle down. I actually like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this is problematic to say, but I would like them to realize their feelings for each other and maybe like have like a either like a romantic relationship or maybe just like a, a platonic like life partner situation. Like maybe they buy a house together and they're like, they're like the two uncle figures. We can get Volkov out of here. You can be doing something else. They could be the uncle figures. And like, we actually trust them with children these days. Huh. Part of the problem was that they hadn't admitted their like either romantic or like strong platonic feelings for one another. And like mm-hmm. not once they do that, then they, they really settle down. They become like, nice and calm and they just like they're trustworthy you know so you think that they're when when the show ends they're going off to germany to become rock stars do you think that their music careers take off or they they do but not not for that long so they have to come back to the states that's actually so i had forgotten that that happened so um yeah thank you for calling me out (laughs) to be honest um (laughs) i do think that their careers take off i think they make a lot of money and they have like Maybe, like, they, they have, like, more debauchery ahead of them, I would say. Ooh. But, like, within the next 10 years, like, they're kind of like the rock stars who you hear about, like, yeah, now they just kind of, like, own a ranch. And they're not, like, obscenely wealthy and, like, in the public image anymore. Like, they just come back to L.A. They've, they've realized that they're always going to be together. They buy, like, 
like a, it's not like a mansion, but it's like a nice house in a nice area of Southern California. And then they're there and they just like offer pearls of wisdom based on their experience. And maybe there's like a room in their basement where it, <laughs> that sounds creepy. I just mean like they have all their memorabilia of their time as rock stars. And like they take the kids in there and the kids are like, that was you and they're like yeah and then they have like a, they share a little look with each other and it's it's just nice do you think they go on tour at any point with um i don't remember his name and if you remember his name i will give you five dollars but the rock star that chuck uh befriends who is played by um the little guy is his name like declan is it something like that damien I'm going to look it up, but you, meanwhile, try to remember what it is. Oh. Uh. Truck versus the Third Dimension is the episode. Um, it was nothing like what I suggested. I, I have no idea. I'm never, oh, no, wait, hold on. Um, you got this? Uh. It's a very, like, you probably had someone in your uh, in your school class with this first name. It was a very, like... It is a very common, like, white boy name. And then the last name is also a very common white man first name. It's it's a first name. They, they both sound like first names. That doesn't narrow it down at all. I have, I have no idea. It's going to, when you say it, it's going to. Tyler Martin. Tyler Martin. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. I, I wouldn't have guessed it either. I thought his name was, like, Damien Hewitt or something. Yeah, I thought the last name was something more, had more pizzazz. Yeah, no, it doesn't have that much pizzazz. But do you think they ever tour with him? Uh, Maybe. Like, there could be conflict because they're, like, the new headliner, but he's the opening act, and he's all upset that he his star is fading while Jeffster's star is just rising. Could you imagine if they had made, like, a Get Him to the Greek or, like, Joey-style, like, spinoff that was Jeffster in Germany? Oh, man. It would be bad. <laughs> it would be really bad and, not, <laughs> and totally unwanted, unnecessary, but... Yeah. Uh, well, that's just something to, something to chew on. <laughs> We're going to do Chuck, Mary Kill, which yep. is our segment where we choose one part of these bonus features to marry and one part of these bonus features to kill. I think we might have multiple things this time around, yeah, mm -hmm. but... Uh, we're playing it fast and loose this episode. So. Yeah, we are. Aaron, what things would you like to enter into a ethically non-monogamous relationship with? In terms of a segment that I really liked, I think the uh, segment with Tim Jones the um, about the scoring of Chuck, I found probably the most interesting and I learned the most new things. Um, so I would be remiss if I did not shout that out as one of my Marys. Um some smaller things, of course, I have to mention Josh Schwartz. I would I would just marry him as a person. Um, I thought he was very cute and very charming in these segments. And then lastly, this is small, but a lot of, especially in these like beginning through the years future, I, I don't know why they did this because they don't really do it for anyone else. But like occasionally they'll put some little like VFX edits on Casey where he like references sparkles and then like his hands sparkle or like um, there, there's another one. I don't remember what the other one was, but I thought that was just like weird. And they're they're like it's like unremarked upon, but it's just like it's just cute. It's And I like that they did it for him because like, it, it's like, it seems at odds with the like persona he's presenting, but it's also like, that makes it funny. Mm -hmm. So I, I liked that. What about you? Well, I think it's hard to pick just one segment, but, um, you know, first of all, I really would have to marry from last week, the, you know, in the sandwiches and super fans segment, 
where the cast thanks the fans and they were thanking me directly and in no way were they thanking Aaron no. at Mm-mm. all. No. This filled me with such a deep, deep joy and sense of satisfaction. I felt it in my loins. I That's I weird. Energized for the rest of the day. I was able to, I ran 10 miles that day. I just went outside my apartment building and I just did, uh, God, it was probably close to 320 laps. And I <laughs> ran 10 miles powered by that, that joy and love. Well, that's nice. I'm happy for you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, not really one specific thing that I enjoyed, but I think that an overarching concept that I am left with that uh, I will be thinking about is that I'm really happy to support and be a part of the show, even in our minuscule way, very small and significant way, because I feel like the attitude of the cast and the actors and the culture that they have, I think is very genuine and sincere. And like watching them talk in these segments has been very affirming. And I think that, um, you know, I don't think they're lying here or putting on airs, but everyone seems to me to be like just really good, solid down to earth people. And I think that, you know, for a show that we have watched in depth ad nauseum discussed, like, I think that I, I feel good about it because none of the cast members are really jerks or under, you know, not grateful for the show. And it yeah. means a lot to them. And I just think that like, you know, they're really you could you could grab a beer with any of them. And I think it would be a delightful time. So I'm glad that we were able to support them. And I'm glad that they appreciate that support. That's really sweet. So what do you want to kill? So I actually struggled with this because I enjoyed um, a lot of the bonus features, like to to varying degrees, like the tearing down of the Bymar was, as we mentioned last week, like very fascinating, but there was not like a ton going on plot wise. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I kind of struggled here. Um, Just something that gave me kind of a gave me pause, I would say, more than like that actually I disliked was in the Chuck Through the Years segment. They talk about um, a lot about Yvonne, like not having experience and not like uh, with with comedy, um, with like not Sarah not being a funny role, which I thought was interesting because what stood out to me is she's giving like a like at a panel at Comic-Con in 2010, which would have been like what, like season four, maybe season five, depending on when when it was. She's talking about how she hasn't had a chance in playing Sarah thus far to be funny, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't think is true, first of all, um, because, like, Sarah has definitely been funny in seasons one through three. Like, maybe she's more of a, like, comedy player in season four. I know we talked about, like, the scene with Morgan and the the action figures, like, and how that stood out to us, where she's she's usually not, like, in the buy more funny plotline. She's usually not in, like, the Morgan antics plotlines, but, like, mm-hmm. I definitely think she's funny, and she has jokes and stuff. Um, and it it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way hearing, like, Fidek and Schwartz talk about it. I think what they meant is, like, she's generally a funnier, more emotion, or she's generally, like, more action-heavy, serious character mm-hmm. who's, like, lifts a lot of the emotions. Um, but it just kind of had a vibe, especially since she's like one of the only like female characters. It was it was kind of like girls aren't funny. And it, mm. so it, it made me feel weird uh, the way they were describing it. I'm sure it's not what they meant, but it was just I didn't I, I would have taken another pass at that. 
yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to find a kill um, for this because I, you know, everything I feel like is was pretty solid. I think maybe as far as blooper reels go, I wasn't that impressed with the blooper reel last week. You know, I think that some of the blooper reels have been funnier, like they've been a little bit more outrageous or there's been kind of more yeah. funny surprises or just kind of quirky, uh, you know, accidental things. But I feel like they kind of they didn't really have that many bloopers this time. So that's my only, you know, negative mm-hmm. uh, scooter scale. Scooter scale. Scooter scale. <laughs> so I, I'm going to give this uh, 4.5 for the for the entirety of the bonus features. Cool. I found, um, as I mentioned, I really enjoyed them. I thought they were ranging from fascinating to I actually learned things to like emotional. And I actually highlighted in my notes that I felt more emotional watching these bonus features than I did through a lot of the final season, like a lot of the actual episode. Like I think seeing how much the characters or seeing how much the actors really valued playing these characters and being a part of this and how much they valued their fans, which once again is not me and is you was just like very affecting. Like you mentioned in your Mary, it just made me feel like I was part of something, which like objectively I just watched a TV show, but like watching this, it made me feel like I was part of this like legacy and this like shift in like modern television and in school. So 4.5 for me. I'm going to go ahead and give it six out of five corn dogs. What? You can't do that. That's against the rules. Guess what? I make up the rules and I'm saying it's allowed. What do you have in your hand? This is a pen. It is a writing utensil. (laughs) Wow. Write a six. Six in the air. Six corn dogs. (laughs) One, two, three. One, two, three. Six. Uh, (laughs) I think, I don't know. I think this is just a really solid assortment of bonus content, especially for the final season. I think that they did a really nice job. I don't think that they skimped at all. There's been previous seasons where I think the bonus features have been kind of lacking, although sometimes Mm -hmm. they have their highlights. Sometimes they're just kind of like filler content. Mm -hmm. I think this assortment is all filler. No, sorry. God, the opposite of that. All killer, (laughs) no filler. And um, I I just, I thought it was really nice. I do appreciate kind of getting to uh, have that, that candid glimpse behind the scenes of things because that does mean a lot to me. And I feel more emotionally connected to the show now, which is weird. I didn't think that would be able to happen, but I guess I do. Uh, and so, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Although I guess I should mention that there are some bonus features that we did not watch. Um, there are two episodes that have commentary on them. The finale and the penultimate episode, I believe. Right, which we may do at some point. We haven't mm-hmm. really cracked the formula for how to yeah. do commentary on top of commentary. Yeah. So that's kind of tricky. And then there's also an extended cut of the final episode, which we did some cursory research into. And apparently it's just kind of the scenes have a little bit more space to breathe. There's not actually any new content in it. Which if you've if you've watched them and your feelings are contrary, please let us know, because we we don't really know for sure. This is just based on Reddit and some basic research. So now we have the lesson of the past two weeks lesson of the bonus features i didn't really figure out the the branding for this (laughs) lesson of the weeks all right chris you're you're for you're up first i know you struggled on this one i did this week i learned that chris fedak has a similar sense of style or maybe shops at the same place 
that Ryan McPartland and or Devin does because they were both wearing Lacoste sweaters in their segments. So maybe Devin is based on Chris Fedak. Devin is awesome. He's a lovable guy. He's handsome, strong, and smart. You said that I was like the Chris Fedak out of the two of us, (laughs) which using the transitive property means that I am handsome, fun, and smart, and strong. That's what I learned. Can't contradict you there. Nope. For one time this episode, you will not contradict (laughs) or challenge me, and I appreciate it. Um, I learned the true value of a Betamax recorder in the 1970s, which is $2,000. Adjusted for inflation, that is... (laughs) (laughs) $4,000. Sure, I'll take your word for it. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right, right? Um, so wow chris and aaron versus the chuck season five bonus features part two comes to a close we did it we did it we did it it. it. so next week i guess we're just talking season five i guess yeah i guess so which is uh gonna be kind of sad do you think it's not gonna be sad I'm, i'm a little sad i was just gonna make a uh you know, good riddance, time of your life reference, but I realized we already did that, and then we yeah, had this we whole did. Seinfeld thing, so. No easy way to say this, but. But everywhere has been charted. We've done and covered it all, except for next week, where I guess we'll cover something else, so. Yeah. We'll be talking about season five, doing our usual thing, and. So tune uh, in then. Tune in then. Thanks for joining us for this freewheeling discussion of the bonus features <laughs> of Chuck and some silliness, but also some interesting, serious thoughts that we've had because we're intellectual. I was going to say intellectual people. (laughs) Intellectual. uh, Until then, my name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy. And my name is Aaron Arata reminding you that anything is possible. I look forward to switching back to our off mic personas, taking off the skin of being a podcast host and just (laughs) going back into my normal gross skin of just being a normal person very sweaty very sweaty As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.